Hello my people and welcome to the singing episode. In this episode you'll hear so many voices singing songs like this. We'll never say a word, we'll only sing some words, and this is a lie. It's actually just a live episode where we will speak in our normal voices and interview Habitat for Humanity International's own Erin Goodyear. She's going to talk to us all about what Habitat for Humanity is doing to help communities prepare and repair from disasters and just be more resilient in general. It's a really fascinating conversation and it's super relevant. The only issue is we kind of had some issues with our sound equipment, so it's a little bit scratchy. And I suggest if this is your first time tuning in, you go back to an episode where it was not live because... The quality is just a little better, and we're trying to figure it out. And we have one more great big surprise for you, my friends. We have my very first short and sweet stand-up comedy debut. That's right, baby. One whole minute of just punchlines. But you'll hear it soon enough. You'll also hear some very familiar laughs and voices. All right. I hope that you like it. It's very crackly, and I apologize, but next time it will get better. All right, I hope you stick around to figure out which parts of this were true. Is this a singing episode for you, or is it just all the other things I said? All right, my friend, bye-bye. Do good, feel good, that's the name of the show. Thought we were kicking out it off with Chris. Oh, okay. so welcome to the yeah. Do Good Feel Good Show, everyone. And here is our co-host, Chris. <laughs> hey, everybody! So happy to be here for this podcast segment that we have spent hours and hours and hours rehearsing. Um, I would like to start with an opening question: uh, What exactly, Aaron, uh, is meant by a uh, habitater? What does that mean exactly? That's a good question. Um, a habitater is a person that loves habitat. So it's it's pretty that simple. Um, our vision, where everyone has a decent place to live, everyone in the world. Um, if you're if you're down with that, then really you're a habitater. And if you've been on a build site, or maybe done a global village trip, or helped us post disaster, you're a habitater. Anyone Whoa. out there done any of that? Have you been on a building? Yeah, do you support affordable housing? Woo! I mean, yeah, I'm probably all a habitat are in this room, so yeah. True. True. Well, thanks so much, Aaron. Um, I think we have uh, another question from Lauren. Oh. Cool bolo tie, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tight. Nice. We're both wearing those for the listeners back home. Okay, here's a question from the fans. If the current Democratic candidates were tools like on the Habitat build site, what kind of tool would Elizabeth Warren be and why? Hmm. All right, let me think about that. Um, well, Elizabeth Warren has a plan for everything, and being a disaster-minded person, I would say that Elizabeth Warren would be a business continuity plan 
or an emergency action plan so that if you're on a build site and a disaster happens, Elizabeth Warren is going to have your back and you are not going to have any disruption. Mm -hmm. I just want to like point out the difference between normal habitaters and the disaster recovery people because I was thinking like hammer, table saw, wrench, nail. Um, but that is a great, I think Elizabeth Warren, I guess, stands above the rest. And is that Habitat's official endorsement? It's Aaron Goodyear's official endorsement. All right, right. As a nonprofit, we cannot officially endorse anything. <laughs> <laughs> I have a follow-up question to that question. Uh, what kind of tool would Marianne Williamson be? <laughs> Marianne. And what would Marianne be? I would say that Marianne would be the blessing that when you're starting your day, she's going to bring that like gravitas to the build site and really like help you center emotionally and reflect on the service that you're about to do. Um, so again, not a tangible tool, but let's be honest, that's that's what Marianne would be. Yeah, all right. I'm not sure where you do your hardware shopping, but, uh, <laughs> but I'd like to know. Uh, okay, I have another question. Um, what is the best habitat for humanity and why? Whoa, the singular like best habitat for humanity? The best one. Ooh, okay, well I don't, uh, on record, um, I don't pick favorites, and they're all amazing, and they all do really good work. Um, I mean, I am biased. I think our best ones are the ones who are engaged in disaster recovery, because also I'm going to just, like, since I'm on my soapbox, um, disaster recovery is really, really hard work. It takes years. It's really complicated. It's so easy to feel defeated, like, 100% of the time. But our affiliates who do it, I just have so much respect for them. Um, so literally any, any one of them involved in it. I'd say right now, um, Habitat for Humanity in Jefferson County, which is based in Beaumont, Texas, they went through Hurricane Harvey. They're a pretty small rural affiliate. They don't have a lot of resources to draw on. Um, they have been doing incredible work since Harvey, doing so many repairs. Um, and they're the only housing organization in their community that can provide those repairs to people. On top of that, Tropical Depression Imelda just came through and impacted some people twice who had been hit by Harvey. Some folks who hadn't been hit by Harvey thought they were okay, got hit by Imelda. The executive director of that affiliate had her roof damaged. She has a hole in her roof and she is just continuing on like a soldier, so resilient. Um, so, you know, asking me that question today, I'm going to say Habitat, Jefferson County. They're they're doing the Lord's work. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Jefferson County. Yeah, Jefferson County, everybody. Jefferson County. Fantastic. All right, Lauren's turn. Okay, my turn. Phone turned off. Um, my question is, is there some misconception or something that you want to clarify or clear up about Disaster recovery in general, like maybe anything about the media, literally anything you want to vent about at all. Um, this is funny. Lauren and I work together, so she like hears me vent about disaster misconceptions like every single day. Um, so this really like this could be like three hours of our time, but I'm gonna go ahead and summarize it with you know disasters are not just like a week or a month. 
they are a huge, profound disruption in society. Like in order to be a disaster, there has to be a huge social impact. And people literally have their entire lives turned upside down in an event that could happen in less than 24 hours. I mean, that's incredible when you think about it. And it's gonna take them years of hardship to recover. And I think I just want people to know that the money you know, that goes into disaster response, it's so important that it is there initially to help stabilize basic needs, make sure people have food, make sure they have medical care. But the really expensive part is rebuilding housing and is helping these communities for years and years, making sure they have access to counseling, making sure they have so many resources. And I think that, you know, as humans, we just move on and another disaster pops up and we forget about what happened two years ago, three years ago. But those communities are still suffering and the folks who were already marginalized before a disaster when a disaster happens, I mean, it's gonna compound their life and it's gonna take some pretty complex interventions to help them. So I guess I would just think about that, that this singular event isn't, it's not a quick fix, it's years and years. So when you're thinking about Hurricane Dorian or Tropical Depression Imelda, think about Hurricane Matthew that happened in 2016. There's still communities in the Carolinas dealing with that. Um, think about the 2017 hurricane season Harvey and Maria and all of these really major events um, that it, it takes a long time and just don't lose that attention and that heart that you have for it. Preach. So aside from uh, thinking about things, um, what would you say is one concrete action that you can provide our listeners with? Something simple that people can do around the world. Yeah, um, well, number one, think about what you would do in a disaster. Like, really be your own emergency manager. Like, and I know, you know, we like to, I mean, humans are avoidant. We don't want to think we're ever going to be in this very vulnerable situation, but it could happen if you all live in the District of Columbia. Guess what? You're in a hurricane zone, okay? So, like, Sandy happened in New York City. That could happen here. So I would encourage all of you, you know, Make a plan. Just have some basic resources on standby. Um, maybe have some savings. Like I would encourage all of you to take your own preparedness seriously and really think about that. Um, and like, if you had to evacuate suddenly, where would you go? Do you have friends like an hour away, two hours away? Like, what's kind of your own plan? Um, and that's building up kind of social resilience. Um, and then on the earlier point, um, I think that if you're going to, you know, I think donating is so awesome and so good. What I would encourage you not to do, please do not donate random stuff that you have after a disaster. Because actually in kind of the field, we refer to that as the second disaster. Because it, yeah, yes, it creates a logistical nightmare because people donate really random stuff that's not actually what people need. If you're gonna donate at all, cash is best. It's really fluid. It helps people like get what they need when they need it. It's easier for relief agencies. Um, so I encourage you to do that, but also think about how can the dollars that you donate be invested in long-term recovery and help the communities who are gonna be there for the long haul, whether that's Habitat, you know, if we have an operation there, or if it's another local agency. Um, those are the people who are gonna be dealing with the fallout of this event for years to come. So I would encourage you to think really wisely about how you donate. 
minute. So later on, when you guys are laughing at the other comics, I'll know that it's like what you've held in during this one moment. That I'm yeah. So I have here in my checklist, my beautiful assistant's going to be helping me. You guys clap as I walk in. So now I'm going to give you guys some punchlines, the jokes that you'll never actually hear as I only have one minute. So first on the list is, has anyone... Anyone ever been peed on in the shower by their boyfriend? Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, baby, you got two on the list. That's a fucking lie. That was a drum roll. All right. And then next punchline, you'll never hear the joke too. And that's because my my pre-care report card said Lauren has trouble using alternate feet. You'll never know what led up to that. Imagine it. Next. <laughs> Does that make me less white? <laughs> Next. All right. No one will ever know that the poop in the parking lot was actually human poop. Oh, um, no. Shock. Shock. All right. Um, all right. I did it. I, cr- I accomplished everything on the list here. And while I'm grateful for the one minute that I've been given by Chris, like most experiences with white men, it should have lasted longer. Yeah. 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 Not only providing us like a, a comedy slash TED talk slash flip chart workshop situation, but ended it with a really solid dick joke. A racially charged one too. Yeah. My takeaway: um, uh, she's into maybe black guys. Uh, that's great. Or other non-white guys, perhaps. I don't know. I don't know. I'm talking too much. Hey, uh, one more time. One more time for Lauren. Just ready to keep the show going. The do good feel. Sing with me now. Do good, feel good. It's the do, do good, good, feel good, good show. show. It sounded sad. Muy bueno.